Welcome into another edition of the Loudouts Podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs. Looking forward to this one. Spilly is fresh off of his trip from Toronto, where he called a game between the Baltimore Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays for Apple TV. Uh, and so we love this because, you know, part of it now, especially that you're doing more national game spillies that we're moving around a little bit more. And plus with our regular work that you do with the Rockies and I do with the Rangers, when we get to see a team for three days, we get a much better feel, right? It's just like anything, yeah. like, just like, just like we like talking to beat writers because they're watching the team all year long. Every day. Yeah. Every so day. there's just something different to it and it, it makes us better at what we do. And I think that, you know, for me, I feel like radio helps TV and TV helps radio and, and vice versa. And now you doing more national stuff is going to help the podcast. So I want to get into the series that you saw or the game that you saw, I should say, in the series that's going on this weekend. We're taping here on a Saturday night between the Baltimore Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays. And I want to start with the Orioles because, you know, I see, I think we have a tendency to to look at them and they were a cute story last year. And we watched this year and like, oh, wow, it's pretty good. But do we really think uh, it's going to last? And so I'm curious. You got to spend some time with Brandon Hyde. You got to watch that team real closely. Uh, what were some of your takeaways of the Baltimore Orioles after doing that game for Apple? They're, they're going to get to the World Series in the next three years. It's something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say this year. Because remember, about the, no, don't forget our first I, I mean, podcast. It, it could. Our first it, podcast it, it, said the Padres are World Series winners. So be careful. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I believe after seeing them, I, I think the, the challenge that they're going to have is the depth, depth of the starting rotation. If they lose any of their back end pieces that are, you know, Yenner Cano has been so good. I actually saw him give up a, his first hit of the season on a changeup. Uh, the league was 0 for 23. Now they're 1 for 24. Kevin Kiermeyer is the first one to get a hit off the changeup. So that's just crazy to me. Um, but then. Like what happens if there's an injury? I mean, I, I I do think Baltimore is in a position to bolster. They're really good, and the reason why I think they're so good, I love watching their defense. They they play good quality defense, and then their their lineup is long. Mm. Their lineup is long. They're not dependent upon, you know, one guy. They've had different stretches, and I I heard this like right now Cedric Mullins is swinging the bat well. Um, Ryan Mountcastle's been on fire. He was on fire early in the year. Mateo was on fire early in the year. Mateo's struggling right now. They have other players that just pick it up. You know, Anthony Santander is really good. <laughs> it's a high caliber at bat. Um, they they like some of the veteran guys that they have. Adam Frazier brings you know, just a different dynamic to the to the lineup with some contact. They're just it, it feels as long as they keep it going. They have a superstar in Rutschman, like he's a superstar mm-hmm. and he's, he's a backbone. And what stood out in a conversation I had with Brandon Hyde, and I think you'd appreciate this. I I asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, like, give me a sense of Adley. Like, just give me a sense. I can, I know baseball wise, he's really good, but give me like a personality trait that maybe sets him apart. And he goes, Spilly, if a pitcher gives up a run, He's sad about it. Mm. Like he's genuinely, <laughs> he wants his teammates to do good. Mm-hmm. And like, like he goes back. So if, if you gave up a run or somebody got a hit, he goes back and, and like, he tries to make sure that he did everything he in his, anything possible to make sure that his teammate did well. Mm. And I was like, man, they're like, that's a, that's a rare characteristic. He loves to play. He loves baseball. He wants to be in there every single day. And then he cares about his teammates, like at this high, high level that a manager is like, man, 
Like that's special. So they have a special team. They have a very special team. I, I would just assume for them, uh, they're in a window probably sooner than I think the front office was expecting. And so I think you and I have seen this before. They have a a very full and ripe minor league system. And so they do need to be smart with how they use their minor league system because they have guys coming. They have arms coming. They have position mm-hmm. players coming. But to use the pieces that you can't build, right, or that aren't quite ready, especially if you're in win-now mode. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to have some probably tough decisions on who they can add, like what type of piece. I mean, like I could pick – have you seen Joe Kelly throwing the baseball lately? Joe Kelly would be a fantastic piece to add to the bullpen, but what is that going to cost? The Joe Kelly's yeah. throwing 100 miles an hour with a 95-mile-an-hour uh, knuckle curve, and it's just through this year. So mm-hmm. it's like that's a perfect – perfect candidate type guy for the bullpen to go with them. So, um, but if they're we'll going to spend resources, don't you think it'll be probably in the rotation? I know you saw Kyle Gibson throw really well. Um, and he's five and three, seven innings for him. He just gave up the one run. He looked really good against the tough lineup. I mean, that is a tough lineup that they have, um, in Toronto. Uh, but it seems like you said, like they have good arms, right? They're working through Grayson Rodriguez. He had a better start last time but the overall numbers you know he's still got a ways to go uh if they're going to make an improvement anywhere first of all it'd be nice to have john means back but then also to add to the rotation but again you got a good feel from sitting there if you felt like they had to play a card where they, they knew it was going to hurt a little bit uh, but would put them in a position where they could make a, some kind of postseason run make sure they're in the postseason um without completely sacrificing the future where, where's the in what area do you think the most aggressive move would have to be for the baltimore orioles the the most aggressive move would be get Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers if they fall apart. Yeah. That's, so rotation that's, piece. That's the that's that the would, move yeah. For you. That that would be that would be my my number one wish list item would be a another arm in the back end, and then a starter, mm-hmm. and <laughs> a starter that you have control for more than a year. Sure. You know, yeah. like a Cor- Corbin Burns would be a, a nice. I mean, like that's 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 like the top of the market, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this half season and then a year next year. And you know, that's going to cost you like somebody big. (laughs) Sure. So, but I mean that if, if you have that type of starter to go along with what you have, now you have a front end dude that matches up against Garrett Cole matches up against uh, anybody else that you, that you start to play. And you have it for two years, as long as you can keep them healthy. I, yeah. I just think that they they have that type of move in their coffers that they need to consider this year, which is probably ahead of schedule. They seem like, it, you know, we say this, we use this phrase because I think it plays in our sport compared to others. They seem like they're better built for the regular season than the postseason for a great point that you just brought up, which is who are they really going to start against another team's ace? And even if it's, you know, we get a Garrett Cole, one of the best in the game, but um, you start looking around all the postseason teams, whether it's you get the Astros and it's Bromber Valdez or you get the Rangers and it's, you know, DeGrom or Ovaldi. Uh, it's the Angels and you get Shohei Otani, right? You sit here and look at all these teams around the league and there's pretty front end, you know, top end starting, at least at the front end of the rotation for most of them. Fromber Fromm- uh, Vasquez is like, good luck. Yeah. And that, That's that knocked saying, out like, the Yankees. Yeah, they don't seem to have uh, that guy. So that, that seems to be the aggressive move if they get there. And I hope they make it. 
but it's cool to know that you've seen them and got a feel for them and also want to get into the Blue Jays on the other side. We talked on the on the radio show this week about that four-game series that uh, the Blue Jays and the Yankees participated in. But, you know, looking at the Blue Jays as well, you say Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi was the starter in that one. Um, but I'm wondering, it seems to me like I like that lineup a lot. Um, what about the Blue Jays and, and what you kind of saw from them and and what, if any, concerns you may have uh, with that team or if you're liking that team as well in the American League East? Uh, I like the I like the unit. I think they're they're a good unit. Uh, I like seeing Boba Shet and you know Vladdy. Like this is easy, but there's they're they're very feast or famine right now. You know they 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 haven't been able to score against quality pitching. Uh, they it just feels like they're missing an additional dynamic, mm. and I, I don't know if that's from within or outside. I mean they have. They spent a lot of money on this team. This is not a cheap team. This is, you know, they've made moves. They've made trades. Uh, they need some guys like Dalton Varsho finally got dropped down in the lineup today, mm-hmm. and he was he was awful again, over five. Uh, the Varsho Varsho deal, like he looked way off, and I've seen him take, I don't know, four hundred at bats in the last four years. Uh, when he's with the Diamondbacks, he's not right. He's not right. He's not in the ball. Uh, and with any authority, like I'm accustomed to seeing, he's very pull happy. He just looks like he's trying way too hard. Uh, and they dropped him all the way down to seven today. And he's, he was hitting right behind Guerrero. So mm. belt's been a bit of a struggle. They've hope it, they've been hoping to get some lefty from it. I mean, cause it's a really right-handed heavy lineup. Kirk's not swinging the bat. Well, uh, Danny Jansen's had some big moments, but he's not really swinging the bat. Well, so they have, they have like three guys that, that are the dudes mm-hmm. and then you can pitch to everybody else. So that's, that's my concern with them back into the bullpen. I think they're, they're okay. They're okay. They're not, you know, they're not the, that Baltimore look better, but I mm-hmm. just saw Baltimore in a very short, uh, short window. Yeah. I, I think blue Jays will be fine. I, I just think they, they have to get some of their players other than Bichette, Vlad and Chapman to swing the bat better. Yeah, and Chapman's been scuffling. I'm looking real quick here. His last 12, he's hitting 167 with a 231 on base. Remember, that batting average was so ridiculously high. He's actually sitting overall this season right at 300 now as we're taping this podcast. So all of a sudden, he started to slip here a little bit. You mentioned Varsho. He's hitting 153 over the last couple of weeks. And and as a group, there's been some struggles hitting 248, which is right around uh, league average. Uh, But nobody really sticking out. Brandon Bell's actually been better. Uh, over that 12 at uh, home. game period. Yeah, I don't know which. I'm at just looking home. at the last 12 games for him. He's actually yep. in 364. Um, but one home run in there, right? He's not going to slug a ton, just a couple of RBIs for him. Um, and a lot of strikeouts, 13 punch outs for him uh, in his 41 plate appearances. But I like the lineup. I'm with you. It's a great point, right? Is that once you kind of get through the middle, um, they're a little bit thin and still not getting what they need. Jose Brios was better. Alec Manoa's got to get it figured out. Kikuchi wasn't great in the game. Uh, that you saw him. I know you didn't get to see Nate Pearson pitch because he didn't throw in that game that you had on Friday on Apple, but this dude's up at a hundred miles But I saw him on Thursday. Yeah, I saw him yeah, on Thursday. Yeah, he looks good, huh? He looks great. Yeah, I mean, he he made a mistake to, uh, I believe he made a mistake to, um, what's our shortstop? How am I blanking? Uh, Volpe. Yeah, oh, Volpe, Volpe, yeah. Volpe turned around a, a hundred mile an hour fastball um, and hit a home run down the left field line. It was a really nice <laughs> piece of hitting. Hmm. I want to go back to Alec Manoa today because he he threw um, in today's game and some swing and misses on the slider. 
So the slider, you know, he he went through a game last week where he didn't even have a swing and a miss. Wow. So that that looks like he's starting to find the slider action. The velocity was up. I mean, he was almost like he was throwing a little bit angry today, mm-hmm. but still, I think still down overall for the season. Yeah, no decision for him. He went five and two thirds on Saturday, uh, just a couple of runs, five punch outs, one walk. So that is good to see. He did give up uh, a home run. Uh, and that was Cedric Mullins that hit it off of him in the third inning. The Orioles went on to win this game. Grayson Rodriguez was also better as we were talking about the Baltimore Orioles in this same game. So that's good to see um, six punch outs in one walk. And so they'll continue to kind of be patient with him. He hasn't gone deep in games, um, but at least he threw a little bit better. Um, that has to happen for both of these teams, quite honestly. I mean, it's not the the, the biggest key um, and they're different kind of guys, but getting Manoa back on track, getting some consistency out of Grayson Rodriguez, if you're going to continue to give him starts, in the big leagues, like those things have to happen for the Orioles. Manoa has to happen for uh, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Um, it was a crazy uh, series, and we you know kind of watched it, the previous one with the New York Yankees over four days. I know you were there and kind of in the aftermath. There was some Yankee news today, and that is that Aaron Hicks was DFA'd, and there's been kind of a lot of momentum building toward that. And, you know, it's interesting because you look at Aaron Hicks and the contract that he signed. It was a weird contract to begin with, seven years, $70 million that he signed going into the 2019 season. I say weird because the AAV, uh, and it seems like that was probably part of it, was really low, uh, but the years were longer than he would have gotten uh, under normal circumstances, right? Here he is in his age 33 season. He hasn't been very good for them. And you go back to really the beginning of the contract. He was good the year before the contract, right? 2018, he was a 127 OPS plus player. He had 27 home runs uh, in 137 games, and he hasn't repeated anything close to that. It gradually got worse. You couldn't help but wonder when you were watching him if he was checking out. Uh, there was a play here when when the New York Yankees were visiting the Rangers. I sent it to you guys where there was just kind of a low liner and he was in left field and and kind of you know in in a weird way slid for it, missed it, and you just got an eye roll from Garrett Cole on the mound. Like he couldn't help himself, almost like you know what this is is it is what it is, and this is kind of brutal. Uh, the Yankees finally had enough and they DFA'd him. I, I wonder if he, you know if there's even desire for him. Uh, to want to continue and, and latch on with somebody else, or he doesn't feel like from the outside of guys, you know what? I got to get my act together. I'll go to the minor leagues with somebody else after I, I clear waivers. I mean, I could be wrong, and I hope I am. Um, but this was a, a disaster for the Yankees at the $70 million that they paid uh, for Aaron Hicks after he had the big year. Again, 2018 was a good year. His overall Yankee numbers are not terrible. His Yankee numbers after he signed that deal, he was a below average player with a 92 OPS plus 31 homers in 303 games and over 1100 plate appearances. Uh, the Aaron Hicks tenure is over in the Bronx. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of rejoicing happening in the Bronx uh, for this one. I mean, it, it was, it wasn't just the offensive failures. It was miscued plays. Like you mentioned the one in center field, but it was base running blunders. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, like I think it's really fair when players get long-term extensions and when you see a significant drop-off for the player, and and obviously Aaron Hicks dealt with many injuries along the way, Mm -hmm. but it is fair when you do see players start to underperform once they get the contract. I I mean, we've, I've had teammates like that. Don't know Aaron Hicks. Don't know if that's, if that's in the personality, Um, but you know, the, the reality is, is he was, not a good Yankee the last couple of years and the writing was on the wall last season. We saw it in 
in the American League Championship Series. Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. I, I said it all offseason. I was like, what are the, they have to figure those two players out specifically because you do have younger players that are knocking on the door ready to go. So it it's not personal. It's just this is the reality of it. You start playing to a level that is so poor, yet there's no defense against it. That like, and even in the case of Hicks, he, he was starting to swing the bat well, but it doesn't matter. I mean, like you're you're defensively, you're not a great defender anymore. Defense is a mindset. I I just I it didn't look right heading into spring training. It didn't look right. I think there was multiple times where we felt, hey, this would this probably looks like the time and the place where Aaron Hicks is going to get chopped and just be done with it. Just be mm-hmm. done with it. Help this guy out because it, it, he looked miserable. My assumption, I said this to you, there are times when you have a teammate in the clubhouse that you know shouldn't be there. And it's it's not because you don't like them. But you can look at the, the overall production you could see the body of work you could see how he's working and this just looked like it was time to move on mm-hmm. for both the player the organization and the clubhouse because if you're a, if you're a caliber team that's supposed to be here you have to believe that your entire 26 man roster is the best players that your organization could put together mm. you know that Yep. You get like true disappointment from from teams when they, you know, you break in. How many times did you break in spring training? And there's a couple guys that you're like, dude, how did that guy make the team and not this dude? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, and especially when you have the big payroll as the Yankees, they just don't have time and they continue to wait it out. Just like I know, obviously, Josh Donaldson is hurt right now. But even after the end of last year, you know, and Donaldson struggled and he still has a year left on his deal. We're going to wait it out. We're going to wait it out with Hicks. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. Uh, I don't think Brian Cashman makes moves trying to protect his reputation or his job. I, I don't believe that. I think uh, they understand they are trying to win, and that's the most important thing. However, you know, some of these where they have been more patient along the lines of what you were saying with guys that maybe shouldn't have been there is always a little bit surprising whenever that happens. But I think they finally got to that point because they're playing better. They're now a third-place team, right? So they're kind of moving their their way up here a little bit, even though the Tampa Bay Rays continue to dominate. It's a six-and-a-half game lead, and they're looking up at the Orioles, and they're only two behind them in the win column, and then the Rays where they're six behind them uh, in the win column. And so there's you know, it's a real opportunity here. There's plenty of season to go. Uh, they have a chance, and so they make that difficult decision. I say maybe not a difficult decision, but they make the decision, uh, even though yeah, there's a couple, was- more, you, couple more. I guess from the, from the admitting that you're wrong standpoint, that part where you're like, I, I got to bite the bullet here, right? You're Brian Cashman. I did the seven-year, $70 million deal. It's not working out. I now have to admit um, that this was wrong. Essentially, that's what it is. And so from that standpoint, maybe just there's always that little bit of a pause because you're paying a guy. But like you said, it was pretty glaringly obvious that he didn't uh, belong there anymore. However, you mentioned it also. Swinging a decent bat lately. Take it for what it's worth with Aaron Hicks or other things that go into this. But six for his last 17, a couple of doubles, a home run in there as well. I mean, what do you think? I know we're left to guess from the outside, so it's probably not fair. Um, but does he not like baseball anymore? You think he's done, or do you think he's would like to do something else and, and just go to another team and start over? Yeah. Uh, I, again, I, I don't know Aaron Hicks from you know Adam Hicks. I, I just no. I don't I don't know him, so I don't I don't know if you need a breather. 
sabbatical. If another team is even interested, there's no way he he's going to he's going to clear waivers. He's going to get released next week. It'll probably be what is it five days on Wednesday. So next Wednesday, Aaron Hicks will be released, free to sign with anybody. I think he's going to do the Madison Bumgarner thing. I think he just mm-hmm. takes takes a little break, and if somebody wants him, they offer him a deal. And if he wants to do the Meyer League thing, or because I I mean I just I I don't see a major league roster spot for him at this moment. I just don't see one and I don't see him a, a fit for a lot of organizations. If he's playing to that level, it's a 150 batting average, high strikeout rate. Even if he's swinging the bat, well, uh, you know, it is major league minimum, but you have to clear a roster spot for him. It just, it seems CJ, come on, man. He started yeah. adding this stuff up. 33 year old switch hitter, not swinging the bat. Well, not moving as well as he used to taking up a spot. Use a minor league dude. Use one of your own from within, unless you think you can reclaim them. And, mm-hmm. you know, the only spot I could think of is Minnesota. Yeah. What Minnesota. about Cleveland? What do you think about the, what do you think about the guardians and how bad things have been for them offensively? I mean, that's a low risk opportunity. Yeah. I just, I wonder with him once he clears, right? So he's, he's free and clear and he's a free agent. We don't really see this happen very much. But I wonder, you know, if I'm Terry Francona or I'm Rocco Baldelli, and obviously that's where he started his career in Minnesota, so they know him well, um, even though lots has changed since he's been there. Um, I, I want to talk to him, right? I don't, I don't want to just make a baseball decision and what my scouts are telling me and maybe what you're hearing from talking to other people because that'll be part of it, right? You talk to other people and tell me what's going on with this guy, but he seems to me like I'd be the kind of guy I'd want to hear from. Like if I'm going to make that decision in a place like Cleveland, I want to I want to get him on the phone. I want to see him face to face and and try to gauge where he's at and what his assessment was of what happened in New York and how hungry he is. Um, that's the only way I think that a contender can take a chance on him, uh, like Minnesota or like Cleveland. Uh, we'll see, but I don't I don't know. It's unfortunate. It didn't work out. Seven years, seventy million dollars, somewhat of a disaster for the Yankees, but one that they certainly can afford. That low AAV made this an easier contract to to probably swallow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Let me ask you a couple of questions uh, going back to so Toronto and the Yankees. And I'm telling you, after leaving there, they do not like each other. Both sides yeah. do not like each other. Uh, the shenanigans that, you know, where it was happening is just the coaches being out of the coaches box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they addressed it. And the reason why is because Jay Jackson was tipping pitches. Uh, so that's what was happening was Jay was tipping pitches. It wasn't like the Yankees were uh, doing anything egregious, and that's what started the whole kind of argument there. But but from the Toronto Blue Jays' perspective, we heard, um, you know, they didn't love that Domingo pitched three innings in a game where he was he was caught cheating, right? Mm-hmm. We call that cheating because he's going to get a 10-game suspension. He's already accepted it. Yeah. Uh, they didn't love that. They didn't love the coaches picking pitches. They didn't love that at all. Um, and they won't match up until September 19th. That's the new schedule, Ooh. which is what, I, what I'm curious about is, is your take is I have been in the camp where I am so happy not seeing 19 games against the division, mm-hmm. but only 13 and you're not going to see them until September. Is that good or bad? So, I mean, I, I wish these things were spread out a little bit more. I know how difficult it is to make the big league schedule. And so you do the best you can. And even for teams that are not within your division, I'm sure you've already run into this, right? You play a team outside of your 
division, but it's in your league, right? So in my case, another American League team for the Rangers, another National League team for you. And the Rangers did this. They played the Royals, had another series, played the Royals again. So you got like a lot of similar matchups, and then you're done with the Royals, right, before you even get to May 1st. I hate that. And so this case in particular, come uh, divisional play, I think a couple of different reasons why it matters. One, because of the rivalry and the fun stuff that you're talking about. But then the other part is like these head-to-head matchups still matter, even though there's less of them. And if you're catching a team in the bulk of the games or early or any part in the season, well, you're only seeing one version of that team. And we know, of course, over the course of a six-month season, there will be different versions of the team along the way, and then you don't get uh, that matchup. So it's not a real true indicator uh, as far as who should be winning the division, right? Depending on when you catch a team uh, when they're hot. Like you catch the Astros right now, and they're thin. Even though they're playing well, their rotation doesn't look the same. Um, you know, Jose Altuve is now back, but you didn't have to see him for the first, you know, almost six, seven weeks of the season. Those things I hate. So I, I don't think it'll die down, you know, listening to what you're saying about how they truly dislike each other. Uh, but I'm okay with I'm okay with the schedule all day long, even if it means we're missing out on some of these uh, games that certainly had some fireworks and some sparks and some legitimate uh, teams that did not like each other. Uh, I'm, I'm, it would never change my mind on th- the 13 games in division. Do you have concerns? So Friday star Clark Schmidt. What do you got on that? I mean, he had to go switch the glove. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, first chance to see Cincinnati in their city connect uniforms. Yeah. Uh, my initial reaction, initial reaction. Loved it. Yeah. It's a lot of black. Um, a lot of black. It is a lot of black. It's okay. They're okay. I, I mean, I just, you know, um, they were fine. I mean, I think it's a good jersey for Reds fans. I didn't get as excited about them, but they're all right. I don't, I don't hate them. Um, I think they're okay. But I'm okay with uh, going back to what you're saying about schedule. Um, so Clark Schmidt, they made him change his glove. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it, and he was good to go. They said they checked his hands. He was fine. He has a black glove. So when they checked, there was a black. There was black on his wrist, basically the black fur, fur of the glove with yeah. resin rosin and sweat the color got to his wrist so they wanted him to wash his wrist yeah it's just two it's just two times in less than five days yeah so i yeah that part to me seems a little silly um either it's sticky or it's not but this is what major league baseball wanted right they put these guys through this and because of it um the, the training and everything else they're they're doing what they're told right as far as the umpires go they're cracking down uh and they're not going to let it slide because they'll hear about it from the other side and the last thing they want to see happen is that they don't enforce these rules or they're not as aggressive as they have been. And then all of a sudden, boom, some some spin rates go up and people are tweeting about it or writing columns about it. And the umpires missed it. And so that's why they have to be as thorough uh, as they are, even though it seems to be uh, somewhat inconsistent and quite honestly, a little tiresome. Um, I want to go back to what I was just talking about real quick on Jose Altuve uh, back two games in now, one for seven to kick things off, uh, leading off. The Astros are playing really well. Uh, nine and one over their last 10. And now they have Altuve back. Now that does mean for um, Dubon where he's going to play. He didn't play today. Uh, obviously he was playing second base. They can move him around, but I don't even know if they have a spot. Like he can give guys some days off here and there. It's unfortunate for him uh, because he was really good, man. Like he did a really nice job uh, filling in for Jose Altuve, answered the bell in a big way. It was pretty emotional, quite honestly. I've noticed in, in a few games, was, you know, the whole situation with the Giants that seemed to get him uh, working, uh, getting worked up a little bit. But Mauricio Dubon uh, loses his spot because Jose Altuve has it back. 
just in time as Alex Bregman starts to swing it a little bit better. The lineup starting to come together. Uh, and even though they don't have their, their full rotation and not even anything close to what we thought it was going to be on paper, nobody was expecting uh, JP France to be in uh, this uh, rotation right now, or Brandon B in this rotation right now, but they aren't even Hunter Brown originally not anticipated to be in the rotation. Uh, doesn't matter. The Astros are playing really good. And Jose Altuve is back. Yeah, it's it's good to see Altuve. I mean, I, I'll I'll tell you from because you guys are seeing the Rockies right now. Uh, Daniel Bard that hit Altuve during the WBC with the fastball, mm-hmm. and then we saw uh, Bard ends up going on the on the IL uh, with it, with anxiety and dealing with some uh, mental health issues uh, that he's resolved. I know for Bard, seeing Altuve back is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was devastated. I mean, you're, you're hitting one of the league's best players a key cog for the defending world champ in a, in an exhibition that's means so much to these players. I mean, it, yeah. it really got to him uh, that, that hit by pitch led to Bard going on the IL, but in the case of, of Altuve is thank goodness he's okay. Uh, you know, and he's good. I mean, he's still dude rakes. He's 33 years old, same age as Aaron Hicks, uh, but this guy's not slowing down. So uh, I think we were waiting for this. We wanted to see how much uh, the Astros would be able to tread water without Altuve. I think we had some concerns with even Jordan spring training. Remember, he didn't swing a bat for the first mm-hmm. three weeks of spring training in Jordan. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody has a worry about Jordan not swinging as well as he has been in the last week for Jordan. But still, I mean, he's yeah. he's off the chart. So last 12 games, think- OPS over a thousand for him. Yeah. Jordan Bregman swinging it better. His OPS is over 800 uh, during that time. Mentioned Dubon, the great job that he did. Payton has been a little bit better. He's still not getting on base. And Jose Abreu, uh, Jose Abreu is still not hit a homer. Isn't that crazy? Is, it's amazing, actually. I mean, how many is he going to hit this year? Is he going to hit 10 home runs this year? I don't think he hits three. <laughs> he hit 15 He's had last 179 year. at bats without a homer. Yeah. Plus, however many, I don't know what happened last year. Right? Are you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know when he hit his last home run, but he's got some kind of streak going uh, his right now. His last home run came against a Colorado Rocky. I think it came off Justin Lawrence in Chicago. It was like end of sub- middle September. Mid- middle of September. Yeah, we'll have to go look and see the total plate appearances. But yeah, it is. Uh, it's concerning. The on base is down as well. Forty two strikeouts to just twelve walks uh, so far. But zero home runs. He had fifteen last year, which was a disappointment because he had thirty the year before and almost the same exact amount of plate appearances and so that's that's been a story all year long it continues to be a story however the Astros playing some really good baseball they have Jose Altuve back uh, the pitching has been uh, good enough for them I you know Brandon Belak has been good in his uh, last three starts with an ERA 2.45 Javier has been good Valdez has been not his best but good enough uh, and of course they got a great bullpen and the Houston Astros are coming and we know that here in Arlington and for the Rangers that are playing well and 11 games over they know that the Astros are, are not going away and they're going to be there uh, and a thorn in the side. So Jose Altuve is back. Um, and glad to hear that for Daniel Bard, that actually will have a positive effect um, on him. It was interesting. I kind of forgot about this, and Evan Grant wrote about it. Uh, I shouldn't have forgot about it. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, but the fact that Adolis Garcia intentionally skipped the WBC because you know he was working on plate discipline. That was a big one for him. He was the guy that would chase and get over-aggressive. He's made about a 10% improvement in his chase rate. He's now better than league average after being worse than league average. And it's paying off, man. It is paying off huge. Like, I've seen it from him. He'll take a few more strikes because of it, right? That's the kind of tax that you have to pay on that situation. 
Uh, but my goodness, he is he having a, a monster season. Hit a home run yesterday against uh, the Colorado Rockies yesterday being on Friday. More RBIs for him uh, today. He's your league leader there. And, uh, you know, he's made, he's made the case. I, you and I are in the same boat. We love the WBC. We love seeing it. At the same time, I know there's a lot of general managers around the league, uh, certainly the New York Mets, probably the Houston Astros, <laughs> and some others that were like, oh, I wish my guy took the same approach that Adolis Garcia did. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's another reliever for you. Uh, Alexis Diaz from Cincinnati would probably be really tasty for a lot of different teams. I, I could imagine the Mets saying, you know what, uh, what, What's the what's better than one Diaz, two Diaz? <laughs> well, I, and I think the Rockies are going to have arms too. No, I mean there seems to me, at least watching the series so far, that there could be a couple of Colorado arms that teams would be interested in. A guy like you know Brad Hand, uh, maybe Bird. I don't know which guys would actually be available. We got a little bit of a ways to go here, but they I'd have say some Brent pieces. Suter, Brent Suter would probably be the easiest one, right? Are the, I mean, pitched really well. Are the, are the, what are the Brewers thinking about that situation right now? They non-tendered him, right? I think they miss him. <laughs> I think, they definitely. I think they miss him. Yeah, they definitely miss him. But anyway, it's been uh, it's been a good start to the season for Garcia, who ends up skipping, leading the American League in home runs and uh, all of baseball in RBIs. Uh, he did have uh, eight of them in one game against the Oakland A's after hitting three home runs. But he's been great, man. He's been. A uh, ton of fun. Even watch him lay out, uh, lay out, make a really nice play to end that game on Friday uh, against the Rockies when you were up in um, Toronto. Julio Arias going on the IL spilly. Uh, he did not look good in his last game. He gave up four home runs in the third inning against the St. Louis Cardinals. I guess the good news is that it is a strained hamstring. And we're not talking about anything uh, with his arm right now. And it does sound like it's not very serious. I was reading an article in The Athletic. Um, that was saying that, you know, sources telling the writer that uh, this is probably not a, a too big of a deal, um, but it doesn't help. I mean, Dustin Mays on the IL, they have all kinds of guys that have been hurt, uh, but Julio Arias will get at least the next 15 days off dealing with the hamstring. Yeah. And, and Saturday night, big win for St. Louis and uh, Nolan Gorman. You, mm-hmm. you want to make a guess how many uh, home runs Nolan Gorman has right now? Uh, without looking, he had, so he had two in that game. He had zero, like, they weren't even letting him play against lefties, right? He hit one off of Urias. Uh, I will say seven. He's at 13. Oh, wow. I, I went low because I was going to say 10, and I thought I was being overaggressive. I didn't want to disappoint you. Nolan Gorman is hitting in the middle of the Cardinals lineup. He's hitting third. 302 batting average, over 1,000 OPS, the highest on the team, 13 yeah. home runs. I mean, they... They just have to figure it. I mean, they that that was a deal, you know. As much as we say, you know, Wilson Contreras behind the plate and the defensive mm-hmm. struggles. What really occurred was we can't have Wilson Contreras take at bats from Nolan Gorman. That's what yeah. happened. Gorman's yeah. the DH. They otherwise they had to put Gorman at second base. Second base for Gorman. I, I think he's like one of the like minus six defensive runs saved or yeah or at that position. Dude, this guy can hit. It's changed the lineup. Cardinals are 20 and 27. Still very unlikely to make it to the postseason based on that bad of a start. Because, you, mm-hmm. I mean, you still have to keep a 600 winning percentage uh, from here on out. But if there's any division that you can win in, it's the National League Central. My guess is this is going to be an 84-85 win National League Central division champ. Ooh. 
Well, if it's 84-85, then they don't have to play 600. I was doing the math the other day when I was on with Lidge on uh, Loud Outside MLB Network Radio, 3 to 6 Eastern Time, Sirius XM Channel uh, 89. I think it was about 560 that they'd have to play. To get to like 88 wins, it was going to be, I think, 590. Anything above that, we're starting to push that 600 mark. Nolan Gorman last year, 313 plate appearances, 14 home runs. He's at 161 now, so right around half with 13 home runs. That is incredible. His chase is down considerably, um, about 8 or 9%. He's not swinging as much, right? So being a little bit more uh, selective, he's slugging 200 points higher than he was a year ago when we first saw him. We knew that he could hit. Uh, strikeout rate is down. Walk rate is up. Like everything going in the right direction, the swing and miss is less. He's made an improvement there, and launch angle has been right in the same spot. So it's just a matter of being more selective and doing the same things. But um, what do you do? Like the Cardinals, we've talked about them so much, and that defense has been a real problem and a big part of their failure. Um, I don't know where, you know, is that a sacrifice you're willing to make, especially when you can't shift and give him the help he needs with a shift, right? This is where it gets exposed from you some don't of the play weaker up defenders. Defense. Now you don't do it. I think, I think Cardinals have, and I've seen a big jump in uh ground ball out percentage for the Cardinals in the last three weeks. Hmm. They went to, to young and short admin at second, which is his natural spot. Goldie and Nolan, Arnado, no Gorman. Gorman's done. Uh, Tyler O'Neill not in center field. Back to Lars Newtbar, and just defensively the entire thing. The outfield defense was was really bad. Mm. CJ with Jordan Walker with all the hoopla that he got. The d- defense in right field was well below league average, and same for Tyler O'Neill when he was in center. Yeah. So they, I mean, they've they have tightened it all the way up as, as much as you possibly can. Um, so that's, that's good news for Cardinals fans. At least they know that uh, their defense is, is much, much better, but starting pitching. Uh, I think miles Michael is, yeah, he went seven innings today, two strikeouts. It's a contact team. So yeah. they, they have to figure out ways to get outs um, other than defense. They do need some, <laughs> they need some pitching help for their rotation for some, from some guys with some K's. That or they have to rethink how they're going to use their starters. Yep. No, for sure. That's that's their story. And they just don't have room for any more bumps in the road, right? They have to be great uh, the rest of the way to have a shot at this thing. Uh, otherwise, I think it gets ugly and uh, not going to be an enjoyable team to watch. But some good things happening lately. Uh, they seem to have gotten it uh, turned around in St. Louis. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Next week on MLB Network Radio, Spilly and I will be working together just one day. Uh, that'll be on Tuesday that we're doing loud outs together, 3 to 6 Eastern time. Uh, but you will be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You have Lidge on Monday. You have Lidge again on Wednesday. I'll be with Chris Jimenez and then Kevin Franson at the very end of the week. I got a week off a of game, so looking forward to uh, – I'm not going to say relax. I definitely don't relax when I go home. I got like a ton of crap I got to do. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that'll be us next week on MLB Network Radio. Make sure you put the, the toilet seat down. That's it. Uh, yeah, I'll see. That's the least of my worries. Although I would hear about that one as well. All right. As always, we appreciate you guys listening to the loud outs podcast. Make sure you share, tell your friends, subscribe and help us continue to grow. It's been fun. Spill and I get a lot more time together because of the podcast and we can do it as of you. All right. There. Sirius XM podcasts. <laughs>